We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says, promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. It has been kind of a nice, easy weekend for me. My week is starting to ramp up now. Um, usually we bring you the show on Sundays, but I guess it was easy for me work-wise. Personally, it was a little crazy for me because of my stepdaughter and stepson in their house in, uh, in Nevada went up in flames kind of like a total loss it's been crazy trying to help them out and get everything situated over there and just you know be supportive of their family you know with their father and their stepmom and stuff over there so that was a little crazy had to push the show back a couple of days and within those couple of days which is going to really take up a good portion of the beginning beginning of the show is the old man went on this crazy media tour so if he gets too big time for us know that it started here and it started with a tweet from daniel bryan big e kofi everyone is shouting this man out so the old man is now just going right past us to the top please stop. Uh, <laughs> uh we'll talk about that though in your uh, mini press tour being on every podcast possible over the weekend uh but first 
Dre, we are tagged as we speak in this Twitter debate. And we touched on it for a second while I was starting up the show and getting ready to record. We got to bring this on air on Wax. Is Carl Winslow a top three black TV dad? At first, I thought it said all TV. Black TV dad. No, he's not even top ten. He's top ten. No, absolutely not. He's terrible. Carl Winslow was awful. That whole show was terrible. The show, you have a problem with sending the daughter upstairs and her never coming back. The show sucked. It aged terribly. Everybody only only watched it because of Urkel. And because it was TGIF and it was sandwiched with like Full House and at one time Perfect Strangers. I really remember this. And I used to watch it. Yeah, and uh, when Dinosaurs had that one season, we only watched it because of Urkel. And then you watch it now, it was bad. Carl Winslow was an awful father. And he was a cop. In this climate, read the room. Absolutely not. <laughs> so, Carl had his moments, right? Carl had his, like, real deep speeches. There was one where there was, like, the racist cop in his precinct. Oh, God. And he had to get real serious with his ass. Like, yo, I'm a black man. for And uh, I think the son, Eddie, got, got roughed up. So it, it was crazy on how they treated him when he got pulled over. They they had these topics. So yes, he was a cop, but he was a black man first. Don't don't get Carl's windows a little twisted. That being said, he's not a top five black TV dad. It's not a top ten TV dad. It's top ten black no, TV dad. He's not. How many are like top three? So if I gotta go top three, we already know who one is. You're going to go with Uncle Phil. I'm gonna Uncle go Phil Huxley. is number one. And I'm going to go with Cliff Huxable. <laughs> yeah, we we know we're not going on that same plane there. So, Phil is one for me. You got to give me... And this is, this is weird, but I count him as a black TV dad. Granddad from the boondocks. <laughs> it's in my top three. Granddad was holding shit down. Grand, granddad had joints. Granddad is in my top three. So I can't even put Pops from the Waynes Brothers in there because it's the same guy. I get different characters. But no, Granddad was like the real raw version of that. Cliff Cliff is iconic. Cliff got to be third, maybe second. I can't disrespect Cliff because I didn't like the show. Like I know what, you know, he stands for, for a lot of people. So he got to be top three. I'm trying to think of other black dads. That's pretty much it. Who's the other black dads? Oh, I liked um the dad from Smart Guy. Well, it was my joint, too, but he's not top five. Doug, I'm going to make this real simple for you. If you look at top five TV dads, you get Cliff Huxable. All right. Philip, Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil. Uh, then it gets it's either James Evans from Good Times or... Okay. Uh, Julius from Everybody Hates Chris because he was a great black team I never got into that show I oh what Everybody Hates Chris was amazing what's wrong with you I, I don't think I've watched one episode wow yo fix that immediately <laughs> yeah, immediately I don't think I've watched one episode and then Bernie Mac has to Bernie be Mac the- Bernie Mac gotta be in the top three yeah. I don't really want to bump granddad but grant I'm tempted to bump Cliff but <laughs> I gotta can't put Bernie Mac in it no I can't bump Cliff I'm gonna Bernie keep going. Mac gotta be in there. Uh, um, then Andre Johnson from Blackish. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Randall Pearson from This Is Us. Randall's amazing. 
If you haven't watched This Is Us, I, I haven't caught, I'm like three seasons behind on This Is Us. No, two. But that show, one and a half actually. But that show is great. And look, these are all people that I haven't caught it in order. I gotta watch it in order. But yeah, no, I agree. Good, good. TV I would there. even, I would even put, um, what's his name, Ray Campbell from Sister Sister. I would even put him above Carl Winslow. That's true. But uh, I don't know. Ray was good, but a lot of it was carried by the mom, so that's unfair. But I'm just saying, Carl Winslow was a whack dad, dog. He was Carl whack. Winslow wasn't whack. He was whack. He's top 10. He's no, like he's not fringe. top 10. He's not top he, 10. He's top 10. No, Carl I, Winslow, I, if I, he's I, not top 10, if he's no. out of your top 10, it, you disrespect him like you disrespect Taker. And no, Taker is a lot Carl of people's Winslow, top 10. Family Matters is a bad show. It's terrible. Look, I would even put, um, even though the Carmichael show only lasted, what, two seasons? I would put David Allen Greer, his, the dad on the Carmichael show. Over Carl Winslow. Carl Winslow was it was corny again. He was cop fed, and it, and like he allowed this stalker to like just chase his daughter around all the time. Michael was a stalker. <laughs> Come on, how are you a cop and you don't see this? This man's man's was a stalker. Yeah, you let your daughter just crib. go upstairs and never come back. What happened to Richie was, half the time? I don't know. Look, little Richie just showed up one day. He was grown ass Richie. I, I don't, boy. Yo, people aged in that show crazy. Yo, and I would even, dog. I would even put Frank Mitchell from Oisha over Carl Winslow. Ah, Frank, Frank was kind of whack. Frank was, hey, dog. I'm telling you, everybody was better than Carl Winslow. Everybody. Carl nah, Winslow. Was he, Frank wasn't he better was than the, Carl Winslow. Pops was You're better just, than him. Pops was better than him. Um, yo, I she, listen. Jamie Foxx's dad. Who was Jamie Foxx's dad? Nah, right? Cause, no, because he just owned... Well, he ran was, the hotel. That, was, right? that wasn't like hotel? his dad. Yeah, but that was his... Uh, oh, uh, uncle. Uncle, uncle. Excuse me. So, so that was an uncle. Listen, listen. This is how much I don't like Carl Winslow. James St. Patrick was a better father than Carl Winslow. Ghost? Yes. From Power was a better dad <laughs> than Carl Winslow. <laughs> Carl Winslow was whack. I'm, I'm, no, absolutely not. Carl Winslow oh was God. whack. Family Matters was whack. You know that guy that that meme with the dude standing outside was like his style is whack. Like that everything that applies to Carl Winslow. It's so disrespectful. You're about to go down the ladder and be like, "Yo, Will's dad who showed up for one episode and then was absentee, nah. leading to the best speech in the show, is better than Carl Winslow." Like, you're, I, I mean, you're I won't go down that far, but he did trigger the best moment on the Fresh Prince. <laughs> he triggered it. But yo, I'm not Carl Winslow was whack. like that show was so. I tried to watch it recently because it's on Amazon Prime or Hulu, one of those two, and I was trying to watch like four or five episodes with my nephew. And, like, he looked at me, and he gave me that look, and I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's whack. I'm sorry. And I turned on the boondocks. He was like, yeah. this is cool. I can watch yeah. this. Yeah, he's not as good as any of Pops' characters. So Pops was great. Movies not included, right? It has no, to be TV. It has to be TV. But I've already named, like, 10 to 12 TV dads. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And, I mean, listen, I'd start throwing in black cartoons, and then he really get down the list. That's why he's probably outside of my top 10. Because I count black cartoons in the mix, like the Boondocks, like, like the Proud Family. Like, so I, I count a lot of those in in the mix for me. So, yeah, he's he's fringe top ten. He's wild. And I'm sure, like, I'm missing out on some, like, old school shit that I didn't watch. Maybe, like, Good Times or 
like yeah, shit like that. James Evans is always going to be top five dad. You can move him around wherever you want. But James Evans on good times, amazing. Carl Winslow, he just didn't have that weight to him. He was just so corny. <laughs> he literally had that weight to him. I mean, though. he I did, know. but it's just, it's just <laughs> nothing he did. He was always, like, aloof and stupid. And, yo, know, I just... And Eddie was an idiot, so he had, like, a dumb kid. And he had a... Man... Eddie was an idiot. Eddie was an idiot, and Waldo was Waldo dumb too. was... Waldo was the worst. That show, dog, that show was like representation. It was very, very much centered around Steve Urkel and Stefan Arkell. Arkell, so yeah, I don't. It's a tough hill to die on. He's definitely, maybe he's not top ten. He's not as whack as you say he is. Yes, he is. I'm wondering for the who put him in the top three. How is this a debate? Yo, I don't like dog. I don't know. There's no way humanly possible a person who's watched black any television. That happens to have black people in it will put Carl Winslow in the top three because it's no, just there's there's no way Uncle Phil, Cliff Huxtable, uh, Bernie Mac, Julius, James Evans. That's five right there off the rip. Easy, like, easy. There's just no way this man belongs in that conversation. Everybody hates Chris. I gotta Yo, watch this. I can't believe you've never seen Everybody Hates Chris. No, and, I and you're from New York too. How did you yeah, not watch I... the show? You bugging? Is it based off of Chris Rock? Kinda, sorta, but you know oh. there's. He narrates it, but man, yo, everybody hates Chris. Is great. Okay. Great. Yeah. No, I'm, I've never watched an episode. That's that's something I gotta get on because I love sitcoms. I don't know how I just completely passed over that. So yeah, all right. Everybody hates Chris. That's gonna be on my list. Whoever puts him in the top three, though, yeah, they're they're bugging something crazy right now. Uh, let's talk about what we came to talk about to start the show, and that is the Andreas Hale Media Tour. I didn't know me going and handling business for two days would lead to you taking over every other podcast imaginable. Let's see. You were on Kaz's podcast. Mm-hmm. You were on Channel 3 in Vegas in, like, yep. some type of emporium. Uh, you did a Muhammad Ali online thing, which may or may have not been hacked. It got hacked by racists, yeah. We got called. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, the, uh the coup de grave at all though the new day podcast which yeah. went crazy online daniel bryan tweeted you uh every member of the new day and countless others i'm not even sure to see him punk say something i don't I know it's like, actually as we're I feel like punk show, might have give you a like i i didn't even know i didn't even look it's it's really been that crazy and if anybody watches backstage and like nobody watches backstage they're gonna air it a clip of it as it closes tonight um, so by the time you hear this podcast, it'll already be up. But uh, yeah, man, it's just you're on FS1 tonight. Yeah, I'm on. Oh FS1 shit, tonight. you're on FS1 and Whitlock isn't. We we made it. That's I it. Won. Justice. I won. <laughs> <laughs> I won. But yeah, um, the new day. Yeah, obviously the new day podcast was the big one, and you know I kind of I hate the circumstances of you know the reason why. I had to be on all these shows, and everybody asked me because, you know, it's like sports and um, being black, and everybody knows kind of how I handle these things, and people have been following me on Twitter and the things that I've been saying and the things I've been discussing. A lot of people listen to our podcast that were dedicated to the uh, the protests and George Floyd, and, you know, I, I got a lot of calls, and I've done as many shows as I could. I just, yo, I've done, like, podcasts, and I've hosted things, and I've spoken at things, like, here and there. But I have a new appreciation for people that do this like all the time because it is really hard. It's 
I did I did Rise Wrestling. I did God Wrestle Rap. I did Wrestle Rap this week. I just I've never and then you always gotta try to find something different to add to the conversation because you don't want to repeat yourself. Say, but, that has to be the hardest part. You don't want to just say the same thing over and over and over. Yeah, so it's it, that's the hardest part. But the I guess you know the New Day thing because I don't really talk about my friendship with Biggie. Biggie's talked about a little bit more than I have because as people who are close to me know they're in the industry I don't really like to put my cards on the table like who I'm friends with because I don't want people just assuming shit like I've said before like me and Royce are friends me and Fonte have been friends for like 15 years um and I never want that to people to think because for most of these people I was a fan first like I was a fan of their work and then through that like I've met a lot of people in all these industries and some people I just click with more than others and me and Big E have just been really cool. And for the past, I'd say maybe a couple months. Well, no, the past month. Once the George Floyd situation came, like first popped up, we talked for like an entire day just about what can we do and what, what can be done. And I was, you know, I helped him with um, finding places for people to donate to. And then he just one day out of the blue was like, look, I think for the first time the wwe is going to tackle race head on and i was like really you're not going to do like a corny mlk statement and just kind of misconstrue the words and he was like no we're going to really do it and i was like man that's dope and he was like and you're going to be on it and i was like what because <laughs> i listen man the new day just had kel on last week of keenan and kel they just had like topanga who's been on there and i'm like me like who am i topanga right and uh <laughs> so yeah man i you know they Woods and, and Kofi agreed to it and we talked and uh, we did the show and there's a video it's going to be the first show that the full video is going to come out they've never done a full video of it but it was one of the most gut-wrenching and emotional shows to see because if anybody's listened to the podcast there were some tears shed and Biggie got really emotional right off the bat and it just like set the tone for everything and Xavier and what we were talking about I brought up the, the hashtag, like, when I met racism and being a good black. And it hit Xavier really hard. And he, you know, he comes with an anecdote about when he was introduced to racism and he came to tell his mother what he had dealt with and how his mother got extremely emotional because she wasn't ready to have to teach her son, you know, how to, to act in this world. Like, he couldn't just be a carefree kid anymore. So it was, it was just a really emotional thing. But even then, I'm looking at like, man, pro wrestling fans don't really want to hear about WWE fans don't really want to hear about this shit. The New Day are like lighthearted and having a good time and colorful. And this was just really heavy. There were no jokes. It was very serious. But they really wanted me to like kind of navigate the conversation because Kofi was worried about going off topic. And, you know, Xavier was just like, you know, I don't want to start rambling. He was just like, you probably know the most in terms of your experience and you can keep it together. And the word keep it together kept sticking in my head because when Biggie started crying, I was like, oh, no, this fool's about to make me cry. And I was like, I can't, <laughs> I can't start crying. I got to keep it together so we can keep this conversation going. Um, but apparently the entire WWE signed off on it. Uh, and I'm not sure if that includes Vince or not. But now it's like, you know, it went up Monday morning. I woke up and I had like 4,000 messages in my, like, Twitter. Like, text message, people don't text me like that. But, like, Twitter was, like, insane. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I remembered. I was like, oh, because my daughter wakes me up. And she's like, daddy, your phone's going off. And I looked, and I was like, I couldn't even keep up. 
and I saw Big E had posted his and Woods has posted his and he texted me my clip because the WWE they usually don't make clips for the guests they only make clips of the three of them to put out there but they were like well we're gonna make a clip for you to share and I put that out and that went crazy and yeah like you said Daniel Bryan Kevin Owens uh I mean Naomi like the Usos it's like everybody's been on this Brody Lee Brody yeah. I, I found like Brody's like super down um <laughs> FTR like the revival um Kind of, I, I, you know, they were trying to find a place to donate. They were, they're doing an auction of gear, and I helped them out to find a place to donate. It's, uh, it's been an experience, man. It, it's re- it really has. It's been like a wild past like two days of just seeing how this has affected people. And then on the other side of the coin, I've had my timeline filled up with ignorance. I've had people like arguing like this isn't important, and George Floyd, he was on drugs, and he was a bad person. Like I've had so much ignorance on my timeline. But the good have outweighed the bad, and uh, yeah. But the one thing is, like you, you say, like when I take the I'm not going anywhere. This show is still going to happen for our listeners, and nothing's going to change. I mean, this is just a moment. I've, I've had a few of these in my career where things just go crazy. The BET, me leaving BET was one of the wildest days of my life. And <laughs> my circle of friends don't change, man. I don't trust people. I'm very paranoid, and... I don't think people are ever going to do right by you, so I'm always going to keep my core. So you're the core, and this show is going to continue to go on, and we're still going to talk our shit. And a lot of people are, you still going Damn, you got, what, you got the fights yeah. going on over there? Yeah, yeah, about to say, the fucking fight started. Shout out to ESPN, <laughs> ESPN Plus. Uh, boxing is back. Yeah, <laughs> boxing is back. But, <laughs> but ultimately, it's just like, this is what we do. This is our show. Like, a few people are like, are you still going to talk shit about WWE? Absolutely. I got my job at BET talking shit about BET. I will never be compromised by anybody liking my stuff. Never. Ever. I'm always, because this is just me. Like, who would I be if I wasn't me? So, yes, I'm still going to talk about NXT TakeOver in your house. I'm still going to talk about some things that were really bad. And I'm still going to talk about Raw and Backlash and how it's a stupid pay-per-view. I'm still going to talk about all this stuff. And fortunately, some of these wrestlers, I won't say any names, but some of them agree. They know the product's not good. So I'm still going to do the same old thing. But, yeah, man, it's it's been heavy to talk about black people dying, like, five days straight for hours on end so it's good to get back into some lighthearted pro wrestling yeah man the the funniest thing to me not even fun it's funny to me because i know you but when i saw it and i saw like the tweets being shared and everyone you know telling you thank you for being a part of it as well i was laughing i was like yo this is so opposite of dre I was like, he has to respond to all these people and say, like, thanks. But then, like, you also don't want any limelight or, like, shine. You're just like, oh, fuck. (laughs) And I I loved it. I was like, look at this guy. I was like, now he has to be, like, you know, part of this this bigger narrative. Because you love speaking about this. But, yeah, now, like, the focus is, like, yo, Dre's going to get praise. And I know that just makes you cringe. It Dog, it does. Like, and you're, you're always like, who cares about what I'm saying? No one cares about my words. And I'm like, ha, ha, ha. This shows him that everyone cares about his words. It's, I mean, again, to me, it was like that. If you took, like, I don't listen to myself. And a lot of people are surprised. I've never, like, if I'm on TV, I don't watch myself. If I do radio, I don't listen to myself. I never do it. I can't even read my own writing half the time. I, d- I just am weird like that. So when people say things, I always think I'm horrible when I'm done. Like I just, it's just 
who I am. I'm sorry. People be like, yeah, you're just doing it to get. No, I'm not. I really don't listen, read, or watch anything that I do. I just got to leave it behind. So now when people send me screen grabs, I'll, I'll post that. Cool, because I'm not moving. So that like, you can't hear me. Like, I don't listen to this podcast. I have never listened to this podcast. Ever. Never. I won't. So when we were done, uh, first Xavier texts me, and then Kofi texts me. And Kofi, the crazy thing is, Kofi texts me. He's like, I've been meaning to say this to you for a year. And I keep forgetting to ask E to give me your number. But I need to thank you so much. And he's like, I'm getting emotional right now for that video that you guys did of WrestleMania. And I was blown away. I didn't know that it was something that he really even paid attention to. I know it took off, but man, he's got like a million followers on Twitter. He, he gets this shit all the time. There's no yeah. way. But he hit me with that, and I was just like, wow. And then he was like, by the way, we really needed you on the show. And I'm like, no, you didn't. Like, you could have took me out of the equation, and the show would have been just fine. Because they all three of them were great. They didn't need me. It was good to have you there, maybe to make them feel a little bit more comfortable with the conversation, but they were great. So, yeah, when people start saying, and Andreas too, I'm like, no, I, I will never get used to it. So, I, yeah, I know it tickles you, Kel, because you know it I does. cringe over this stuff. <laughs> I like to talk about things, and if it resonates with people, great, but I don't ever think I'm, like, moving mountains or even close to, like, you know, not even moving mountains, like shaking the table. I don't even think I'm doing that much. Like, those three brothers, what they do... And I had to tell E this because I was like, I don't think you guys really understand. So, like, we've had an extended conversation offline. And I was like, I don't think you guys get what the New Day has done for black people in pro wrestling. And they don't. I don't think they, like, don't really get it. Like, I listen to them and I'm like, no, no, no you don't get it. Like, you no. don't. It's not you're not just black wrestlers out here having a good time. Like you are representing a community and giving a different look that black wrestlers have never had. I was like, and the key and the biggest thing is you never broke up. And you're friends. They've, this they've shattered every glass ceiling you can in the WWE. It's like possible. Like you, you made the first black heavy the first black WWE champion. And then you trickle down from there, which you'll probably go down as the most decorated tag team in WWE history. They will yeah, be the Ric Flair of tag team. Yeah, they broke but, I mean, the record. They, crazy. Of total time, they'll hold it for like 16 times, which will push <laughs> it past anyone. You know, like, they will be that as a tag team. They use the free bird rule, which hasn't, which was damn near, quote-unquote, sacred. WWE wasn't allowing that shit. Unless it was to break people up, they they made this their own in a in a whole way that yeah I don't think they'll understand it or feel it for another ten twenty years. There's just no like I'm I, I tell him I was like look like I you know I was texting Xavier and I'm like look man because he was like you're a gamer and I'm like yeah and he's like oh man we gotta talk because you know he's like huge on gaming I'm like yeah. he was like you know I don't twitch stream or anything like that but I'm like I'm a gamer and he's asking me what games I play and I text him all these games he's like man we gotta do some stuff and I was like okay but I was like in my head I'm sitting there going Doug I don't think you realize for the gaming community what you're doing like cause he's doing all this IGN shit and it's fun to him and he's like doing double dare and all that shit it's fun to him but I'm like dude you are representing for us on a level that most of us don't even, don't even think we could ever get to like you've leveraged pro wrestling to be like this gaming like man like he's great he's like great and then e you know 
obviously everybody knows that I had him walk Sean Porter out, but he's like this big fight fan and you know, he's like this passion speaker and it's like, dog, this, the things that you guys are doing, Kofi being the champ, it's 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 groundbreaking on on in a way that we've never seen and we'll look back on this era cuz you guys are hall of famers. But we'll look back on this era and be like, yo, I remember that. And that's why I was like, I'm so and then I was like, you guys are the first wrestlers ever ever to have a conversation about race head on nobody's ever done this and i was a part of it so i'm blown away by that but i'm like you guys did that when we look back in the history of the wwe it was like well who talked about basic domination Eh, not really they were bad guys cut promos not really not ahmed johnson not booker t not mark henry them the first kind real conversation about race in america that didn't have anything to do with pro wrestling definitely while active Mark Henry will talk now. Yeah. It's, but while active, nah. Nah. Next level stuff, man. So all this to say, like, the opportunity to be a part of that was something I'll cherish forever. Um, they didn't need me, but I'm glad that I was there. And if you haven't listened to it, please go listen to it because it's it's heavy. Just make sure that, you know, I know a lot of people, <laughs> like our boy Derek, who does media for StarCast, he was like, I was going to go work out. And he was like, and I just found myself sitting in my basement. <laughs> it's that kind of show. It was really that kind of show. Yeah, uh, it's you know it's funny because I was just thinking I was like, is Drake gonna whoop just Xavier Woods' ass in video games? I was like, um. like Xavier Woods, because <laughs> I, I I'm telling you I don't remember this night. I must have been so drunk, but Mayweather weekend, it just showed up on my Facebook on like on this day and. I guess you were just, you weren't even drunk. I'm sure you were just tired as hell. But we went to insert coins and we were playing games. And it's on, like, we have, I have a picture of us. I guess I'll find it next year when it comes up. Where we're (laughs) in front of, like, the gaming systems and we're playing. And my caption, I forgot what it was, but paraphrasing was, you whoop my ass in this game. So (laughs) I'm thinking, I'm like, shit, I talk. A ton of trash to Dre in video games. And I know, like, arcade games are on a whole different level, though. So I really can't fuck with you in arcade games. But I'm just thinking, I was like, I wonder if Dre's going to whoop Xavier Woods' ass on this, on Up, Up, Down, Down. Like, it's just... He'll like, get me in fighting games, because, like, my... Like, I used to be nice with, like, Street Fighter and all that, and then I just kind of fell off. I haven't played that as much. But And he doesn't really play sports games, so won't be there. So, and I'm, like, first person. play Call of Duty. See, because I don't know if you watch the business. See, I'm rusty on Call of Duty. Like, right now, my gaming queue is Final Fantasy Remake. Um, I'm playing XCOM 2 on my Switch. I already finished, like, The Witcher. And I'm playing, like, Assassin's Creed Odyssey because I'm backlogged on that. So I'm playing a bunch of single-player games that aren't really multiplayer like that. So he probably bust my ass. Like, if if it was a fighting game, I'd be dead meat. He would drag. I've seen him and Kenny Omega play, so... Oh, yeah. yeah. Nah, they break out that. the official tissue, like, arcade boards. Yeah. yeah. They're they're bonkers with it. Nah, yeah, we got to get you on the Call of Duty. It's it's overdue. I have it. I have every single Call of Duty. What ends up happening is I play it for, like, a week, and then something else comes out, and then I don't play it anymore. Like, right now, Last of Us 2 comes out next week. It's over. I'm not playing anything else. I'm trying to finish Final <laughs> Fantasy because I know what's about to happen. I'm going to be so entrenched in that game, I will not play anything else. 
Oh, see, Call of Duty adds so much to the online play. Like, there's Warzone now. I know. So we got to get you on the Warzone. But that's the other problem. Is I, what it, The other thing that ended up happening, when Call of Duty, like, Modern Warfare first came out, and you know, like, a few of my homies would play, and they just got real bad, where I would get up and I'd play, I, like, I would play while I was working, like, towards the tail end of whatever job I was doing at the time. Um, one of those hip-hop websites. Probably DX, back then. And I was like, oh, I'm about to be done, so I'm going to play this. And it'd be like 3 in the morning. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I would play for that long because I am obs- I obsess over video games. That's, that's me, like currently, like to this day. I don't, I'm, I'm, don't go to sleep before 2.30. And I'll be on Warzone. Warzone's a whole different level. We could have a whole show explaining this, but the fact that you don't know about the gulag hurts my heart. I'm just There's so joking. many good gulag jokes out there. I'm just going to play it. I have yeah, it. It's on gonna, my PS4. I got it for free. I got it like yeah. in advance of it, and I've never touched it. I'm going to request you. We're going to get on it. And it's all right. Worst comes to worst. You stop playing when I stop playing, and I'm three he- three hours ahead of you. So at least you get a good, <laughs> good amount of sleep before you wake up at 5 in the morning like you do every day, like an old-ass man. Yeah. Uh, before we head into this break, I wanted to kind of kick into pro wrestling before the break and some specific and that's the return of new japan that Yay. was announced just thrown out of there i'm happy because i've been paying for new japan network since wrestle kingdom never stopped it i mean i've been paying for years but i never stopped it and they've gotten a smooth 50 60 dollars out of me last week i noticed that it keeps getting charged on my bank account and i decided you know what i'm gonna go in and i'm gonna play it I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. I had it on one of my three TVs. I just let it run. They have a good like run of classic matches. I think I watched uh, Prince Devitt versus Abushi. 09 Super Juniors. Semi-final. Like, it was crazy. Probably my favorite Prince Devitt match now that I watched it. It's a really good match. One of his best. Um... So that was just insane. And to think Abushi's still doing it 11 years later, probably better than ever. It's just ridiculous. So Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy longevity. But yeah, so I've been caught up. They've announced they are returning. A lot of the guys from you know the States to, it looks like Switchblade is in Australia. A lot of those people can't be involved yet and haven't traveled over yet. But they've released the bracket um, let me pull it up. Dre, do you have it up? Yeah, I have it. Somehow mine went down. Yep. So, the fir- like, a lot of these first-round matches are pretty much one-way traffic. Like, Okada versus Gato. Like, we know what's happening there. Um, let me see. Tanahashi. Well, Tai Chi could get the upset over Tanahashi, but I doubt it. What? Nah. Tai Chi always pulls off these weird victories uh Taguchi versus Sonata Sonata's probably gonna win Takagi versus show we got Takagi uh Yo and Bushi that's actually a good one who I don't know who's gonna win Kojima versus evil that'll be evil uh here's a good one Takahashi versus Hiroki Goto that's actually a pretty good one but the highlight of the first Takahashi round, has to win even though Goto that'd be a good match yeah Takahashi has to win. the 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 key the like the first round matchup that everybody's gonna want to see is Koto Bushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. Like, for this to be a first-round matchup, that's unbelievable. And Yeah, you got to go big in the first round, though. Yeah, but I'm saying it's like the one, because like Ishii versus El Desperado, like a lot of these are one-sided. Toro Yano versus Jado, like Toro Yano's probably going to pull off some whatever shit. Uh, oh, my bad. And No, this is Yajiro Takashi versus Goto, so no. Mm-mm. 
that no. Goto's going over there. Because Hiromu Takahashi's taking on Tamaki. Uh, he's taking on Hanma in the first round. So Oh, he's winning. All right. Yeah. The Nagata-Suzuki match will probably be pretty good. But it's all about Kota Ibushi, Zack Sabre Jr. All about it. That's that's the one match that I will... I'll probably watch that one live. If I can mm-hmm. stay awake. What if they just came out and crushed everything else since Wrestle Kingdom? Like, what if they were just like, Oh, we're back? Eight-star match. <laughs> Mel- Meltzer, get these stars ready. Oh, speaking of Wait. Meltzer, I'm doing Meltzer show this week too. Oh, ain't that something? Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. I'm blocked, so it doesn't <laughs> I, matter. I just had to get you to say that. That was it. <laughs> That's all I cared about. I just had to get you to say I that. Don't even, I don't even know why I'm blocked, but I'm blocked. So you know what? I'm boycotting that one. I listened to all your other guest appearances. Not <laughs> that one, Meltzer. Take that. <laughs> uh, I pulled it up and. Wikipedia has all the histories of the New Japan Cup. What's crazy is Tanahashi won the first one in 2005. And he's like still capable of winning in 2020. He's, he's amazingly good. Like that man is very good at his job. Two. Yo, Tanahashi's won it two, three times. No, Tanahashi twice, Goto three times. Yeah, Goto went in it three times. It's like, so Goto went in it three times. Well, because Goto, Hiroki Goto is a guy who, when they brought him in, he reminds me of Sheamus. They brought him in, he was nuclear hot. I think he won G1 in, goddamn, 13? I can't remember. But but he, then he always became the bridesmaid, and, and, like, never the bride. So There's only been like six winners of this shit, by the way. People win it. Constant, like all the time, Okada's won it twice. Last year included, um, Abushi's won it. Nakamura's won it twice. Yo, it's a good list. Naito's won it. Zack Sabre Jr. It's that's tough. Yeah, New Japan and I, New Japan always produces a good match, a good title match. Every I thought Zack Sabre Jr. was getting the push when he won it. Yeah, we all did, and they kind of stalled us out on that one, didn't they? Yeah, he's the only one that really, well, I don't know, Shibata won it. And they teased, like, oh, Shibata's going to finally be a guy, like well, a no, main player. Sh- Shibata got murdered. Oh, isn't that, yeah. Yeah, he crushed his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of matched those damn headbutts, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I f- was it that close? Yes, 2017. Yeah. I guess, yeah. So Shibata was, now he runs the gym. Yes. So, yeah, that's what stopped him. Shit, everyone else is really propelled. Nakamura, Okada twice. <sighs> Obushi. Poor Zack Sabre Jr. Maybe he wins it again this year. Fuck it, give it to him again. Um, nah, that should be super dope. So, New Japan is back. That is great. When we come back from the break, we got to talk about NXT and Dre's favorite, WWE Backlash. Which he may or may not be on the pre-show. <laughs> Listen, I'm, no just saying, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You never, you with never Rosenberg know now. And Sam, like no. Yep, you, Rosenberg, and Sam. Let's get it. I'm pushing for. It. I don't got Biggie's number, and I'm not verified on Twitter yet. But I'm spamming his page. No. Tell Biggie it's about to happen. We're making a push, Dre, for the pre-show. 2020 is weird as fuck. We can get this. <laughs> <laughs> like you never know we can get this one you guys stay tuned we'll be right back talking WWE all 
All right, we'll get back to the show in one second. But first, there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, BetOnline has ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. All right, just that quick, we are back. Quick break. Dre, a couple new shows on the network. Baron Davis is on the network now. So uh, exciting news around here in Blue Wire. But it's time for us to just jump straight into this NXT In Your House pay-per-view. Before we talk about the nostalgia and the set and a bunch of cool shit that happened, I want to say shout-out to Big Mac for officially becoming the new king of hot takes. I, I, listen, I'll keep the name, the human hot take machine. Just like Kenny Omega is still the best bout machine. But I'm going to have to fade back. It's time for Big Mac to get the push. It said the best NXT show ever. <laughs> Hyperbole is running wild like Hulkamania in the 80s. <sighs> Big Mac, you're my boy. I love it. Ever since we cut the promo at your birthday. Yeah. You guys don't Andreas had a wrestling themed birthday. We were all invited. We all had to dress like wrestlers and we all cut promos that his wife later showed on the TV to him saying happy birthday. And me and Big Mac cut a tag team promo together. He hasn't been the same since. <laughs> that, that was his heel turn. You saw it right in your living room. That's when it happened. And I'm embracing it. He's going full heel now. Now he's getting into the groove of things. He tried to be a tweener. Now he's getting into the, the groove of things. So I love it. Um, Mac Attack, if you're in Vegas, listen to it every every day. So, um, man, it's, it's funny to hear him say that. But jokes aside, I thought the pay-per-view was good for this climate. There was some points that were weird. Uh, we'll talk about that. But I love the set. Yeah. And you can't beat. Adam Cole in the Ico Pro commercial. That was awesome. They had the old school commercials. That like that that was really well done. Like I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, Todd Pettengill being back was great. Uh, yep. I mean the nostalgia factor because I wasn't sure how they were going to pull it off. And yeah, they did well with that part of it. The rest of it was look okay. It was alright. It, it was it, good. It was good. Like. The bar is so high on NXT takeovers that a really good takeover like this one was, a it was really solid. Would be like the pay-per-view of the year on SmackDown and Raw. Yeah. But no, takeover, the bar is ridiculous. And that was my, when he said that, I was like, I, I remember watching DIY and the Revival. Those were like amazing takeover yeah. cars. The takeover car that I was at with Nakamura and Sami Zayn when, uh, uh, American Alpha beat the Revival for the titles. That had like two matches that you could put up there and like a match of the year contender thing. This didn't have that at all. 
I thought all these matches, well, not all of them. One of them was I really hated. Um, but for the most part, a lot of these matches were really good. But none of them touched the, the epitome of NXT. And that's not saying that it was bad. And I hate when people do that. Well, you didn't like it? No, I did like it. It just wasn't as good as the quality that we've seen before. I, I can't say that. It wasn't the worst one. No, absolutely not. There was a, it, I think it was a Bobby Roode one that he that, had like yeah. a, that we talked about, and I was like, I did not like this one that much. <laughs> yeah, there were some bad ones like in the in the lows of NXT. This showed me more than anything, and I'd probably say AW has a smaller sample size, but no promotion is carried more by their fan base than NXT is. And this pay-per-view would have been two or three notches higher with a live crowd. With NXT-style crowd. They benefit so much from their fans and the chants and everything going crazy, the atmosphere. What we watched Cole Gargano, and that shit was nuts. And a lot of that was the crowd. And we're just popping for every near fall and going crazy. Those DIY matches versus the revival. A lot of that is the crowd as well. The crowd adds so much to these things. So when you watch a a Killian Cross entrance, which is money, but in front of Performance Center people chanting it, it was like, whatever. (laughs) It was bad. They sounded really weak. Yeah, like they didn't give the energy. That NXT, trust, full sale crowd goes crazy over that shit. Yeah. The the energy is different. They feed so much off of their crowd that that to me is what was missing most from this show. Not the in-ring quality, not other stuff. Match for match, it held up to other pay-per-views. The crowd was missing the pops for the new talent. A lot of people went over, a lot of new faces are taking better and bigger roles. And we didn't get the prop from the crowd, the reaction, how we should have. And and it showed how much that was missing. AEW's crowd is fucking electric, too. Don't get me wrong. But they've done a better job with their talent, kind of making sure that they can get a feel. And that's mostly because they use real roster people and further their own narratives with it. So you look at Britt Baker. She's doing great for her character as a crowd member. Right. She's going to come back and not miss a step. They're furthering her as a role model and the chair. That shit is genius. They're furthering her character as a part of the crowd. NXT doesn't have that. It's a bunch of like faceless people. Yep. You know, so it's it's a whole different environment. I think they'll benefit most from going back to live crowds. Let's go through the card. So we had the women, not on a pre-show, on the actual show. Mia Yim... Shotzi Blackheart, Tegan Knox, can't defeat Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez. She has a name. She has a name. We gotta, we gotta, gotta get off of that. We can't disrespect Big Mac's girl on the main roster, who's now she's getting a strong push. Let's let's chill. Raquel Gonzalez, the doppelganger, was in on this match. It was ten minute match. I feel like it wasn't enough time for anyone to get their stuff off. It wasn't a bad match. Uh, it had decent points, but no one really got into their groove. Shotzi Blackheart could wrestle her ass off, though. I don't I don't understand the gimmick to save my life, but she wrestled her ass off. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And the, the face is one. It was cool. Um, 
Yeah, like, remember last week I said when they put this match together, I was like, this is a weird pairing. Because, like, yeah. Larray and Yim have a feud, but it still feels like it's dominated by Tegan Knox and uh, Dakota Kai's thing. And then it ended like that. Because Yim and Candice Larray, like, battled backstage, and then there was a miscommunication between Kai and Gonzalez. Gonzalez is, like, really green as well. Really green. Um, so there was, a, there was a few sloppy spots. But there was a miscommunication, and Tegan Knox hit the Shining Wizard, and pins Raquel Gonzalez. The shiniest wizard, the, my sir. Bad. The shiniest wizard. Excuse <laughs> the, me. It's not a shiny wizard. It is the shiniest. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I don't think everybody had enough time to get their stuff in, but it was a perfectly fine opener. It wasn't bad. We've seen way worse before. Um, yeah. I just want them to kind of... Either we move on from the Knox, Lare, uh, Knox Dakota Kai thing, and then we fully invest in Yim and LeRae, but putting them all together, it just felt like it was a lot of stuff going on where there wasn't enough time to really focus on one storyline. Yeah, this was a showcase of, hey, by the way, you thought the women's division was whack because people moved up, or there's some turnover. No, we still got this. Yeah. This was, that was it. It was like, no, these, this is the next group of women to carry this, and then we saw something of the sort later in the night. It's just, stop putting roadblocks. You know, you don't have to move a Charlotte Flair down. What did that do? Delay the division four months? Please, we'll get to that. Because you know yeah, I have so, my qualms with this. but yeah. So we'll, we'll get to that. Main event, by the way. Main event. Um, next up, we have Finn Balor versus Damian Priest. This says only 13 minutes. Man, I thought they had a lot of time. To me, it, it, felt, it didn't feel long. It just felt like they had enough time to tell their story. I like this a lot as a Finn Balor match. And I thought Damian Priest came out looking a lot better. But I kind of saw this in ROH. Like, when he doesn't have to talk or be a weird ass from Dust Till Dawn Vampire, <laughs> like, when he's in the ring, and not just against Giants, not against Keith Lee, like, not in a Haas match. He's not a Haas. He's a big dude, but he, he's not. He's athletic. When he gets to do this, I remember him and Leo Rush had the finals of, like, their, you know, whatever that was, rookie tournament. And we saw that in Vegas. And at that time, Punishment Martinez beat Leo Rush. I was shocked. And this is who they saw, though. The guy can go. He he wrestles well. The gimmick, I don't know if it will ever catch on. But to me, he can be Baron Corbin. I, I think he could be that in the ring, that mid-card heel who doesn't have to win or lose, but he sticks around, he's athletic, and can give you decent matches, better matches than Corbin. I think he's the total opposite of Baron Corbin, though, because Corbin Corbin's gotten better as a worker, but... Corbin's not a bad promo. Punishment. No, is, Corbin's yeah, way better. As I'm gonna call him Punishment, but uh, Damian <laughs> Priest, he's not a bad promo, but he's just a bland promo. He's just kind of yep. there. But the in-ring work is really good, and and it sucks because he's gonna be trapped in mid-card hell because there's really nowhere for guys like him and Dominic Dijakovic to go. This is it. So they'll end up having really good matches in mm-hmm. NXT, and they'll get lost in the shuffle if they ever go to Raw or SmackDown. But for somebody like Finn Balor, perfect dance partner. This was a good match. This was a really good match. It really, it helped elevate Finn Balor in the sense of we've, <laughs> there's three characters that have, that they turned heel only to turn the back face again. Finn Balor, Io Shirai, and Asuka. And the more that I think about it, the reason why they did it is to give their character an extra edge. And Balor probably needed it the most. Shirai made the most of it. Balor needed it the most because Balor coming out just being the nice guy wasn't doing it at a certain point. But now he has a little bit of an edge. 
Even though I think Coup de Gras is not the finish. Bloody Sunday is the finish. But maybe Punishment was too... Punishment? I keep calling him Punishment. <laughs> Damian Priest was too big. But this was the perfect style. This was the perfect match. They got just enough time. I like. I enjoyed this match. It wasn't like blow it out the water great, but I thought this was really good. And whoever Priest feuds with after this should be fun. He'll. I think he does a good job of making people look good. He's very underrated in that aspect. He's a really good wrestler. No, he is. It's just where does he fit? That's that's a problem. That's like the problem. he. To me, it would have been great if. Now he went into the Keith Lee feud, but he was thrown in there with Dijakovic. You know, like, now it would have been okay because he has a little more personality after Balor. He has the, the weird thing to his gimmick where he hits people, not with a nightstick. But it's like the big boss man gimmick, you know? Like, he, what is that shit, a crowbar? Like, he, he, he takes their knees out. Like, okay, you add it to his gimmick. That would have made, you know, something with Keith Lee worth it. Now they blew through that, now it's what? That's the mid card guy. Like, That's what I'm saying. So, it's, it's, so what? What do you? Do? He's the mid card babyface. So now, what do you do? Like, what's your next feud? Dude, the problem, and this is the problem of hoarding talent. When you have so much talent, that doesn't have enough time to shine. Because look, you still got guys like Cameron Grimes, who was really good in you know, as Trevor Lee in TNA and in in, in, uh, in PWG, but he's here. And he's just kind of give him time, but there's really nowhere for him to go. These guys are kind of blocked off from succeeding. So. A guy like him, I fully expect in the next 18 to 24 months that he'll be back on the indie scene. They won't. I don't think they'll know what to do with him. And he could shine no, again, somewhere else. He could shine at like a New Japan or a TNA. Like he, he could. He could, but I, I see him being Elias, Baron Corbin. Like I don't think he hits the indie scene that fast. I think he provides that, you know, asshole, long hair, mid card heel. I hope you're right. I mean, if he, I think he can. I don't think he propels himself though. Like yeah. Drew McIntyre filled that role for what seven months on the main roster, and they were like, "No, it's time to elevate him." Now, I don't. I don't think Punishment gets that. Yo, it's time to elevate. They elevated Baron Corbin. I mean, because I, I don't I think Punishment goes that high. It's so it's it's very strange with like Corbin because Corbin's in ring was it got better, but he had a look. And I don't know, like, if something works with him for people. Like, a lot, he gets shoved down our throats. But now he's, a, he's better in ring, and his promos are, have been always pretty good. Like, Damian Priest, it's like, the, it's the exact opposite. The in ring is there, but without the heel promo cutting ability, there's a ceiling. Because there's only going to be one Baron Corbin. They're not going to yeah. let somebody else come in there and do that, that gimmick. So it's like, I don't know where he goes. And he'll never be a top guy. Like, he'll never be, he'll never hold a title. I don't think. But, I mean, shit, who knows? Apollo Crews has a title now, so. Maybe they, they value work ethic at some point. I don't know, but I think he can go. I just feel like he's, he's very easy to lose at the shuffle. He's very easy to forget until you see him. Which is crazy because he's a giant, but whatever. <laughs> no, I agree. Uh, next fight, Keith Lee, Johnny Gargano. It was 20 minutes. It was too long. It felt long in the tooth. And I, I thought it was all right. They did, like, joint manipulation, and they played off of the attack. I, I get it. I It picked up at the end. How about that? It did. They could have maybe shaved four minutes out of the middle. But at the end, with the pounce, and then hitting different finishers and spam, I, I liked it. I like, so, 
there's two things to this for me. I, I, I've already said this. I didn't like how they turned Johnny Gargano heel. The motivation was whack. But the way yeah. he wrestles as a heel is really good. Because he still wrestles as a good wrestler. And then he just kind of inserts some heelish tactics here and there. Yep. The problem with this match. And they actually made it believable for a minute. That Lee and Gargano could have a match. Because Lee is so goddamn big. And it's really hard for monster baby faces against little heels to make sense <laughs> to fans. Because it's like, this doesn't make any sense. It should be the monster heel and the little baby yeah. face that goes over. But it wasn't. They made this work. My problem with, with this match was that it was 20 minutes. They could have shaved five minutes off. The Candice LeRae, Mia Yim interference, I didn't need it. They could have shaved that off. Yeah, the whole that, that whole They had segment. a match. Yeah, like, exactly. Match. Why did they have to show up? That was corny to me. I thought everything else, uh, Gargano's entrance, his gear, Keith Lee wearing back Black Lives Matters, the the doorbell, uh, the ring camera view. I thought oh, that, that was, was dope. so great. The pounce through the plexiglass, <laughs> the the final stretch, all that stuff was really good. But if you put it into twelve minutes instead of twenty, it would have had a much better impact. I hope it's not the end of the feud because I think these guys, these two are two are arguably two of the best wrestlers in NXT. They could really burn the house down if they were given the right kind of match and this wasn't the right kind of match but it was a good like starter match for a few if they choose to stick with it again these two guys set the house on fire in front of a crowd yeah it's completely different like even a small crowd a pwg style crowd those fucking nuts for this yeah yeah so they they have more potential we'll see if they extend it i feel like they just started a lot of these feuds Outside of, you know, the coal one, which we'll talk next. But a lot of the other ones were just started. Yeah. Give it some teeth. Balor and Priest started like three weeks ago. I think with an done. attack. I'm pretty sure. No, I think they're done as well. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, a lot of these started recently. Like, let them have some legs. Um, next up, Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream. <sighs> hated it. Backlot brawl. I hated it. It was 15 this. minutes. It felt like 30. I hated this match. And hated it. I just don't understand. There was a run-in by the Undisputed Era. There was a an Uber that no one called. Um, again, what's his fate? Dexter Loomis showed up and kidnapped him, but he was under the ring the whole time. I don't, I don't know the relationship between Loomis and Dream. Dude. Maybe that's the next feud, and it's not for me to know now. Because I think this is a blow-off. So maybe Dream and Loomis go at it. And Loomis ends up being heel, or maybe Dream goes back heel, which he's so much better as a heel. Dog, I hated this match. Like, like I hated. Like I said, it I, wasn't good. I it never good. felt like these two have had in ring chemistry. As good as Adam Cole is, whatever it is, it just doesn't click with Dream. And the worst part about it is, is the feud never clicked for me. Aside from him baiting Cole in with the Roderick Strong thing. It just, it just never had any heat behind it. So the reason for them to have a backlot brawl to blow it off, I was like, okay. But then the cinematic element really took me out. The ca- numerous camera cuts, like this was a bad match from two real, some from one really, really good wrestler and one wrestler on the rise. It was just a really bad pairing, and the cinematic element didn't help. The interference didn't help. Their shot at humor with the the Uber was bad. This was a bad match. This was bad. And, it, and the worst part about it is it's not bad because of the talent. Who, the way this match was put together, the feud, that was all off. And there was no, I don't think there's anything that Cole and Dream could have done about it. It just didn't work. 
This is the one time that I'll say I blame NXT for this match, or maybe the WWE. Yeah. It just it, this wasn't it, and I'm so yeah. glad it's over because clearly, and if we're not, somebody's gonna have to tell me. This has to lead to Adam Cole versus Finn Balor around SummerSlam weekend to prove who the best NXT champion of all time is. It has to. Yeah, there's nothing nothing else to do between now and then. That like that that's the view. You, you like I'm excited. Two months to build it. Ooh. It's going to be great. Two months to build that feud. You, you get to use the other members of the Undisputed Era in the meantime. So you're going to get a Roderick Strong versus Finn Balor match. That's what I'm saying. There's there's ways headlining in NXT weekly. Like that's incredible. Um, man, Kyle O'Reilly might come back. Riley versus Balor. Come on, it, it's going to be great. It's going to be great for Finn. He needs it. Yeah, he does. So I. I like it. I like the direction that they're going. Um, there's nothing else that makes sense. So, yeah, and if this was to set up Dream's next feud and to really, you know, showcase who Dexter Loomis is, then okay. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. Then I'm man. fine. It's it's so... They got two months to tell it. They you got do. nothing but time. I just... Uh, this is another situation where I look at Dream and I say, this guy has a tremendous upside. Tremendous upside. But you got to pair him right. Like he's got to wrestle the right people. Some yeah. guys he clicks with better than others. And I'm not sure if Dexter Loomis is going to bring out the best of Velveteen Dream. Maybe they proved me wrong. But I'm not like a huge fan of Dexter Loomis's work. So He had a stinker against someone. Was it Matt Riddle? Yeah, was it? I think so. I can't remember. Was it Matt Riddle or Cassius Ono one, I think, was a stinker. Yeah, with so, the punch. Yeah, so you look at Dream and you're like, man, he's like he's one of those guys who will... He's one of the actual talents you can see going on Raw or SmackDown and making an impact. Oh, he'll be fine. Because the gimmick will carry Yeah, but it's like you want to see him get the best brought out of him. And it's strange because you would think Adam Cole could, but, man, they just they just haven't clicked. Maybe it was the timing with the pandemic. I don't know, but that this whole feud did not click, and I'm glad it's over. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, next up, I thought this would handle perfectly. Carrying Cross, Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, it's weird that Keith Lee is big as hell, strong as hell. They never book him in squashes. But they Karen have. Cross came in. They put, have they? Yeah, Lee, Lee started early squashing people. Oh, okay, uh, not at this level. Karen Cross <laughs> came in and squashed. I mean, a guy who just held the belt. Yeah. Like, before Adam Cole. Yeah, true. This was a main event player. Like, Ciampa's legit. And shout out to Ciampa. He understands his role. He doesn't want to move up. He doesn't want to be wasted on a main roster. He understands, like, he'll get another turn to be the top guy. But in the meantime, he's doing the right thing. And, uh, damn, yeah, just got squashed. Fuck it. Carrying Cross. Choppa had maybe two moves of offense. And that's all he needed. Carrying Cross in the match looked like a million bucks. I thought this was the match of the night in a, the weirdest way. Because it was booked perfectly. Because it wasn't like Cross came in there and just annihilated Ciampa. Like, Ciampa would get his offense in, and every time he would rally, Cross would cut him off. He would cut him off with a power move. He would cut him off with, like, a clothesline. It was just like he would, Cross would not be denied. And Ciampa didn't come out of this match looking bad. Because he no, still got his didn't offense. didn't tap. No, he didn't tap. He yeah, passed didn't out. didn't tap. Passed out. Good. Like, this was, for, it's strange that this was the best match of the card. For me, because I just love the story that it told. And it really put the spotlight on Cross as a major player, regardless of who he's feuding with, it's evident that he's here to stay by going over on Ciampa so, so early. But Ciampa just, he did, wasn't a punk. Like, he didn't just get mowed down. He just couldn't 
get any momentum. Cross wouldn't let him have any momentum. And the biggest key, Cross went over clean. There yep. was no like interference, no underhanded tactics. He did an inverted no. F five into the, the the cross jacket and finished him off. And yeah, Scarlett didn't have to interfere. He wasn't a chicken shit eel. Yeah. He was scary. It was this was well done. This was yep. my favorite match, and this is why I say it's not on the upper echelon of takeover matches because like a a competitive squash match shouldn't be the best match of the night. But for me, it was. Uh, that's fair. I mean, I can't put anything else. Balor Priest was probably the best in-ring. But, yeah, I can't be mad at that. And then the main event, Io Shirai, Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley One, I'm glad Rhea Ripley is safe. <laughs> and okay. Because she took a mean knee to the dome piece. She did. Um, but, all accounts, she's fine. So, good job by her. I thought this was a pretty good match. I was higher on this match than a lot of people I saw. I thought they worked well in ring. I thought in ring, it was the best Rhea Ripley's been in, in a quite a bit. Uh, she works better when she can kind of hide, though. Yeah. It's weird. She got a lot of Lesnar in her. Like when she, or Roman Reigns does that too. When you just let them go in spurts, they look really good in spurts. It's when you start getting to psychology shit and having to plan a match out. That sometimes you kind of, you, you see the flaws. But I thought she had her spurts in this. Io Shirai had great moments. And the right person won. So what can I say? Yeah, this, this, was, a, this was a good match. It was booked well. Like, there weren't, there weren't, like, a whole bunch of, like, throw this person out the ring and then you two go at it. It wasn't a lot of that. Like, they all interacted well with each other. Strangely enough, though, I thought Charlotte had the most uneven work in this match. Like her, like it felt like in some spots she was really good, and she was the gel, like the ring general holding it down. And in some spots, I was like, that was a really sloppy. But Shirai is just like, she's undeniable. She's so damn good. So what I did like about this match is one, Charlotte was in it because she didn't need to be. Um, but I can't now that we're here. I can't do anything about it. This is not Charlotte's yeah. fault. No, this is, she's never bad though. Listen, you book her into any situation. Not like she's going in there. And, you know, mailing it in like Randy Orton. No, no. Which we'll talk about in a second. Like, she goes in there and she shows out. So she did her thing. Yeah, like she's... Charlotte is a really, really good wrestler who understands the business. But mm -hmm. somebody's got to get be her aid and be like, yo, we're overexposing her and it's not helping anybody else. No, but she's Rick and... Like, Rick when he went from MWA to WCW. Right? Like, the overexposure, like, a lot of those belts came quick. And then, at the end of WCW, though, unfortunately for Rick, they're like, oh, we ain't got shit else for the old guy. Or he went to WWE, came back, and then they're like, ah, oh, I really don't got shit for you. Yeah, but see... But Rick in a five-year window was hot as hell. After even he accomplished most of his best shit before then. But the problem is, is like, Flair was Flair in WCW in just WCW. Charlotte's been on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT in, like, the big roles. And she doesn't need to be. She didn't need to have the NXT title. We know how good she is. NXT title... How do you cool her off? You don't even have to cool her off. You just don't have to overexpose her. Because, which we'll talk about, you went from her... Because then you protect the shit out of her. She didn't eat the pin. Which is weird no. to me because, like... You put her over Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania to win the NXT title, and Rhea Ripley can't get that win back, which means they completely cooled the Jets on Rhea. Shirai gets it, but she gets it by beating Rhea Ripley, and then Charlotte just bounces. 
this benefited nobody. Because how the best way to put over Io Shirai is pinning Charlotte for that title that Charlotte took off Aria. And then you could, like, the Ripley feud would have some heat because Ripley didn't lose the match. Charlotte just leaves town now. And that leaves Rhea looking weak because she's the one who lost. And he's he also champ, and the champ that didn't get the rub. To be fair, it should have been a draw. Well, that too, because Charlotte had I saw figure, that she said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, like, every time, like, for those who don't pay, didn't pay attention, whenever you're watching the match, somebody's in a figure four, or in this case, a figure eight, and their shoulders are on the mat, the referee counts. Charlotte had the figure eight on. Shirai hit that moonsault. This should have been a double pin. That should they should have even storylined that after the fact, but I, yeah. Got, but then you would have had to keep Charlotte down for a second. Yeah, which and it's time for her to go. So that's what I didn't like is that Charlotte didn't just kind of came conquered and left, and can say I didn't lose, and that doesn't help anybody. Like NXT isn't a the B brand. It is one of the t- it's the top three brand. Treat it yeah. as such. Charlotte can lose to Io Shirai. Or Rhea Ripley. Because having her beat Rhea cooled off. It, it just cooled her off. It cooled her off and she was white hot. More importantly, which is what we're going to talk about when we get into this whole backlash in Raw and SmackDown thing. You did. You had Charlotte on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. And I haven't seen Bianca Belair or Shayna Baszler since. You can't tell me that one of those two women could have occupied a spot. Yeah. Like... <sighs> What they've done to Bianca Belair is a shame. It's worse than what they're doing to the tag team picture. Yeah. At least they're on television. It's a decathlon, but they're on television. <laughs> so, it's just ridiculous. Um, let's go right into this. We're going to just go run down the card uh, before we get out of here. And I'll save the best match ever for the end. Ugh. So well, can I say something real quick? I talked to yeah. Ricky Steamboat and I have an interview coming out. I talked to him for like an hour. And I asked Ricky Steamboat, can these two have the greatest match ever without a crowd? And he was like, no. Because how will they be able to figure out what's working and what doesn't? Yeah. You couldn't have a greatest match anyway. Not in their current condition. No, no. But whatever. But Steve, the way he said it, because I expected him to like kayfabe me, he was like, absolutely. And Steamboat was like, ah, no. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. He, then, he, then he was like trying to walk it back a little. It was going to be really, really hard. And then he explained to me how him and Flair wrestled. And he was like, me and Flair would listen to the crowd. And Flair would like change shit on the fly. Or I would say, this isn't working, Rick. Let's do something else. He was like, they're not going to have that opportunity to say this isn't working. They're just stuck with it. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, backlash. Um, so, it's called Apollo Cruz versus Andrade. We've seen this before. I think Cruz goes over. Yeah, obviously. he's got to. I do hate that they're all, they're teasing dissension with Zelina Vega and Andrade and Angel Garza. Why? You just put them together. Let them rock. I hate that. I really don't like that. Cruz yeah. is going over, though. But Cruz is going over. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, hopefully, they don't break up Andrade and Zelina Vega. I don't want to see her cost him anything. That... Faction worked so well. Why break it? I don't understand slowly dismantling this. Um, Bailey and Sasha, new tag team champs. <sighs> First, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, and the Iconics. I love that they won it. And I love that they're going to win again. I don't know if they needed to be on Raw. Like, you, if you only got three, why'd you just waste one? 
they wasted them all in like two right. months. Listen like, to them, it's crazy. It makes no sense. But regardless, to set up this match, Bailey and Sasha have to continue to rub each other the wrong way. Um, maybe even the Iconics win, and it's like a flashback PTSD moment, and that's what finally explodes Bailey and Sasha heading into SummerSlam. But I'm not giving them that much credit. I think Bailey and Sasha win, but they still continue to like fuck up things in the process and barely squeak by. All right. So you ever watch a movie or you're ever around some friends like and they're like have this flirtatious energy and then one day you're like, are you going to fuck or what? This is that. I'm t- Bailey and Sasha, like break them up or just keep them together. It, it, it reeks of Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, even though that didn't last nearly as long. But this is like, come on, man. Like all three teams in this match have teased the breakup at some point. I don't I don't even want to see Sasha and Bailey break up anymore. Just let it rock. Just fuck it. Just get either either go through with the sexual energy and the, like just have them blow it up at SummerSlam, or just don't. And I'm on the verge of don't now because they've been. This has been dragging on way too long. And I got the titles back on them too. I'm picking them to win, but I, I figure that there's going to be more dissension in the ranks. But I, I'm not at that point because I don't even know who the heel is. So I don't know. Yeah, that's a <sighs> Sasha. Got to be the heel. Yeah. I, I don't want babyface Sasha again. I don't. I don't want babyface Bailey. Bailey's doing all the heel face. shit. Bailey's done all the heel shit that should break up a tag team. Yeah, but babyface Sasha is just not as good as the boss. It's like Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is a fantastic heel. He's a good babyface, but he's a fantastic heel. Yeah, just something better about it. Um, Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus. Want, want, want. DY match of the night. <laughs> um, give me Jeff Hardy. Like, you can't. Yeah. Can't fake a DUI and then lose. Dog, it's yeah, <laughs> it's it's Jeff Hardy. Anyway, yeah, Oscar versus Nia Jax, which it took about what eighteen hours for Charlotte Flair to get right into the picture for the Raw Women's Title, on. pin the champ. So even hard. though it was non-title, pin the champ after losing the night before, but not really losing. And showing the world what's going to happen at SummerSlam. I don't even know how they drag it out this far. But she is going to be the Raw Women's Champion. And we knew this. Tomorrow, I mean, this is just semantics. Like, sure, Asa's going to beat Nia Jax and get revenge for Kari Sane. Cool. I mean, Asa's got to win here because Nia Jax wins at nothing. Um... But, man, like I said, I'm so gro- grossed out with Charlotte being involved with this. And, again, it's, I don't think she's the one who came was like, put me back in the Raw title because Vince was like, Charlotte, we need you back because Becky's pregnant and having babies. So now Charlotte's back. And uh, I hope, I hope that all of this is for Asuka to go over at SummerSlam. Because they're as good as Charlotte has been. Mm-hmm. Asuka is the MVP of this women's division. Far and wide. She's so... Like, she was so good at being a heel, they just had to turn her baby face. She was just too good at the shit. Yeah. She had too much fun. So, I, so yeah, man. Yeah, she's got to blow up know. Nia Jax. And, yeah, we're going to get the Charlotte feud. But I, uh, if she doesn't go over on Charlotte, I'm done. I'm really not done. I'm I see done. a lot of... Yeah, I see a lot of people saying, like, oh, see, her losing last night, they're building the narrative that she could never beat Charlotte. Yeah, they are. They're going to show that she... Yeah, I don't trust them to follow through (laughs) on that. I trust them to say, oh, my God, she can never beat Charlotte. Just like Booker T got crushed by Triple H in every promo. Then you get there, you say, they're going to let 
they're gonna let her go over and then boom charlotte crushes her ass again and then it's like what the hell did we just build all this for i mean it could happen i mean look man we got nia Jax versus oscar and i keep going back to it nia Jax is like either 0 and 11 or 0 and 12 versus oscar she's never yeah. gonna win but she's like 7 and 0 over Kyrie sand yeah yeah with uh injuries galore yeah oscar versus Kyrie sane is a program i would love but charlotte has to be shoehorned in here um Braun Strowman versus The Miz and John Morrison. Handicap match. If this goes more than six minutes, it's criminal. What? Why? Why is this match happening? How, and why is it for the title? Oh, um, it's because Bray Wyatt's on oh, well, paternity. I mean, I know that. But then... <laughs> I mean, you asked the question. I'm just like, yo, SmackDown stinks. Why is the IC title not on this? Uh, SmackDown sucks. Can we just say it's it? Gonna be, it's going to be on Friday, and it's going to fucking tear the house down to SmackDown. I don't know why it's not on paper. Dude, can we just... SmackDown sucks. SmackDown yeah. sucks. For the show that's on Fox, it stinks. The booking has been really bad. But Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles is going to be really Right, good. and it sucks so bad that they couldn't figure out a way to put this match on Backlash. How do you fuck this up? I don't know. Maybe Fox is like, yo, listen, our ratings are not great. We need some fucking pay-per-view quality matches. We need some of the shit on here. Man, listen... Braun Strowman versus Miz and Morrison is terrible because it makes no sense. Because if Miz or Morrison win, whether they're co-champion, Braun Strowman is a crappy champ. And it makes you think, like, you look at, like, Raw, where Aleister Black is on fire right now. Seth Rollins is great. Kevin Owens is great. Drew McIntyre. Even Bobby Lashley. Then you look at SmackDown. There's nobody for Braun Strowman except for The Fiend. One, they, they need a superstar shakeout badly. Yeah. Like really somehow bad. wasn't like Facebook supposed to or Facebook wasn't uh Fox supposed to open up with like the high caliber people. Uh Brock Lesnar moved over for a second and you had all this stuff, right? Fox was supposed to be the A show now and get the big draft picks and Roman Reigns and all this and now they it looks like they have no one. It, it's like a, a wasteland because all their best talent, Roman's gone, Brock is gone, Sammy's gone, uh I mean, you run down the list. They're just not even on TV for whether the, you know, the Fiend is out. So you got Braun Strowman versus a tag team. Like, man, and Braun, look, I'm sorry. Braun Strowman is a shitty champ. He sucks. Babyface Braun Strowman really stinks. Sucks. This match sucks. Yeah. So Braun Strowman's going to win, but who cares? It's bad. This is bad. Bad, 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 bad. It's not great. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley. This is the big show spot. Bobby Lashley is just a black big show. Right? There's yeah. no other big guy to squash. It's like, we need to get him a big guy. So We already used the big show, like, on a Raw. Right. So let's, let's give him Bobby Lashley. So this is why I say the SmackDown sucks. Bobby Lashley should be wrestling Braun Strowman. That is a much more interesting matchup. <laughs> big men. <laughs> big men in wrestling. Bumping me. All right. But big men bumping me. Look. Bobby Lashley's use of the full Nelson is whack. I can't get past it. Like, I'm watching it, and I'm like, this ain't working, dog. The master lock. Yeah, like, this ain't working. Like, you can really mean tell me that I'm supposed to think that Bobby Lashley's going to put a fucking full Nelson on Drew McIntyre and beat him? Drew McIntyre kicks out at one. So, obviously, he's got to break this, which is a good gimmick, by the way. But Drew McIntyre's going to break this. Claymore kick him to hell, and he's going to retain the title. Somehow, Lana's going to be involved in something. I don't know. This pay-per-view is very strange because Street Profits and Viking Raiders aren't on it for the tag titles. 
the IC title match isn't on here, but Braun Strowman in a handicap match is. Uh, well, I don't know what the fuck is going on. That's a good question. I don't know what the fuck's going on either. But <laughs> the, the champ must have some moments. So hopefully, I would say that should main event, but it's not going to because we have the best oh. wrestling match ever. Greatest wrestling match ever. Edge versus Randy Orton. Um, I couldn't avoid spoilers because this was pre-taped. Yeah. So I saw like two spoilers, whatever. I still don't. And they weren't like major spoilers. I don't know who wins. But I have no faith in this being a good match. <laughs> like good is my bar. They said it's the best match ever. I don't know if it's going to be good. This match was doomed from the jump. This match was doomed from the jump. I feel like Edge was trying to walk it back on this week's promo. He, he had to. <laughs> like, he, he him, Rand, off, Randy man. Orton, too. Like, they're both in positions where they're like, this is not their fault. This is not their fault. Like, that, that uh, what it was, Last Man Standing, whatever it was at WrestleMania, that wasn't their fault. It was extremely long for no reason. This match is, dude, the, the failure of this match has nothing to do with Edge and Randy Orton. Because I think if they book themselves in this match, they get, like, 20 minutes. And it tops. Tops. And it would never be called the greatest wrestling match ever. It would just be a few between rated RKO blowing up and figuring out a stipulation that works for the both of them. But as a straight wrestling match, when you have guys like Kurt Angle, when you have guys like Shawn Michaels, you're going to tell me they're going to have a better match than those guys? Bret Hart? Are you kidding me? Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles are going to have the greatest match this week on SmackDown. <laughs> on SmackDown. <laughs> you know, they won't even have the greatest match this no, week. No, they That's won't. That's hilarious. Edge or Randy Orton won't have the greatest match this week. Oh, God. I just, dude, I I read, like, some dirt sheet because I was just like, what? And I saw it, and I was like, oh, God. There's just, there's no way. What's the over under 40 minutes? Over. For the greatest wrestling match of all time, I guarantee you Vince is in his head is thinking Steamboat Flair, Sean and HBK, like he's going to try to get to an hour. And I'm going to be sad. Uh, so sad. Like, unless they do Okada. They can't. Omega, move for move. Like, what if, what if they're just like, fuck it. We're just going to learn this move for move. Like they a choreographed can't. dance. They can't. That's the problem. They can't. And it's more about Edge being gone for so long than it is Orton. And if they pre-taped it, please, look. Oh, I Jesus. disagree. Dude, Orton's, look, when Orton's motivated, he can deliver. But I think he'll lose focus if this match is over 40 minutes and he'll just reserve to rest hold. I think we're going to have like a billion rest holds in this match. I, no, I agree. I just I can't see this being the greatest match of all time. This could have been a really good match on its own without the billing, without all this pressure that they just put on Orton and Edge. And now that they pre-taped it, which means they're going to do reshoots, please, God, don't let there be a cinematic portion of this. Please, God. I hope not. Please. But it it could be an hour for a long night if it is. That's, that's so bad. Oh, yeah. So that's going to be crazy. Um, that's our show for this Well, for today. We got another show later this week focusing on boxing and MMA. So, plenty of stuff to talk about in that show. That's going to be crazy and packed. And we get to talk about Fight Island, which, shit, we don't know. You might be on it by the time that rolls around, right? Shit, I ain't going to be on so, Look, Abu, <laughs> it's 122 degrees right now in Abu Dhabi. And that, are, that, that arena's outside. No, thank you. 
<laughs> the sand. Sand around the octagon. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. It's going to be crazy. We'll talk about that next week. Shout out to the sponsors. Shout out to Blue Wire, the network. Make sure you guys follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. It was a fun week. It was an eventful week. Thank all you guys for listening. You guys stay safe out there. As always, Black Lives Matter. Till next time, we're out. Peace. Oh